Okay, it looks like we're up and running. Hello, Richard. Howdy. How are you this fine afternoon, I guess, for you? I am full of phlegm. Uh, my lungs are drowning in sticky, gross stuff, and I'm going to keep my mouse hovering by the mute button just in case I have a huge coughing fit. But otherwise, I'm phenomenal. Jen is sitting right over there, and she is equally phlegmy. So um, she is she is promised that if she gets anything coming on really strong, she's going to wave, and that's my signal to mute. So okay. we've got it all worked out here in this plague house that I live in. Yeah. Well, it's fitting because you, your favorite game is Pandemic, so. Indeed, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, that was silly. Uh, so I forgot to say hello to Jen when we got together to, uh, earlier. So hello, Jen. Uh, hope she feels better as well. Yeah. And well, she's a couple days ahead of me. She brought the thing, so. Oh, so she's, she's, she's yeah. And thank you everyone for joining. It looks like we've got a smidge of folks that have come on so far. Uh, so we have sort of a loose topic today to talk about. Um, I would say the general topic, I didn't want to call the video this, but it's kind of like reviewer angst, which was sort of the main <laughs> thing people were kind of asking. I was like, okay, you know. Um, you could also call it world's smallest violin. That would yeah, be yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but I think um, the kind of the gist of the, at least the majority of the questions was sort of like trying to, it's was, it was almost like a behind the scenes, but not technical, where it's more like, hey, you know, what's your thought process? You know, because our gaming life is so different than the average gamer, I expect. Uh, you know, we play a lot more games, a lot more different games, and we get newer games. And you and I have done a little bit of the Kickstarter previews where we're doing prototypes. So that's kind of its own mm-hmm. ball of wax, too, and everything. So I think people were sort of curious about sort of the balance you know they always talk about the work-life balance so it's maybe like the game review balance kind of thing um because it's sort of uh uh you know you have the two sides of it because you're still a gamer and you still like to play games and all that but then i have this other side of it kind of informing it but before we jumped into that i wanted to sort of pick richard's brain about the and forgive me i keep forgetting the name of it there was the arch in malta that collapsed uh that's out in the uh, pacific ocean the Azure window. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I saw you comment online there that uh, you really liked it, but it was a, you know, it's kind of a traffic headache, I guess. Maybe I'm sort well, of paraphrasing. I don't know. I had kind of mixed feelings about it. <clears throat> I mean, I get that it's this gorgeous monument. and I, It's a huge, well, it was a huge, huge, huge tourism draw for Malta. I mean, like, I don't know if it was the single biggest draw in the country, but one of them. And so it's going to be a... <clears throat> excuse me, um, a, a hit for tourism and a hit for, you know, there's a restaurant down in that area and every summer there's a whole bunch of shops that open up and, I mean, there's actually a church down there and now there's not much to go down there and see. <clears throat> uh, excuse me. And so that's actually kind of a bummer. I mean, it was going to happen anyway. It's interesting. For the last couple years, there's been quite a bit of local malty Sturm and Drang because uh, tourists would actually walk the, uh, you know, they, they'd go up and, and walk across the arch and people, their friends would stay down and they would take pictures and people would jump up and down and people would cliff dive off of it. And yeah. everybody was furious about that because, I mean, the thing was very fragile. And it, I mean, there were actually, I think six months ago, there was a video of somebody doing a cliff dive and like a major chunk of it just fell off as he dove. And, um, there were fees in place. There were signs up, but everybody completely ignored them. There was no budget to, uh, to, 
uh, you know, have somebody there 24 seven watching the place or anything like that. <clears throat> and, um, you know, so like I said, there, there's a lot, it was, it was, a, it was yeah. a fairly big deal for Gozo, if not Malta. And now it's all completely immaterial as a result, because the whole thing's gone. Um, you know, that mankind's impact didn't have as much of an impact as that monster storm that I, that happened that weekend. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, it, it is a shame. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe well, Jen has something to say. Apparently, Jen points out that the inland sea, there is a, a small little inland sea that um, you can get on a boat and go through some caves and whatnot. So there's still some stuff in the air. Fungus rock is still there. Um, which has some historical significance with the Knights of Malta. Um, you know, I, I hope, that they continue because literally one of the nicest roads in the entire country of Malta drives down there because there was so much tourist traffic. Um, and considering how bad so many roads are, it'd be a real shame for people not to be driving that every day. <laughs> so we'll see what kind of ingenuity Malta can come up with. I know uh, nobody's supposed to, but apparently there have been some divers going down there and diving amongst the wreckage of <laughs> the, of the, uh, Azure window, and I've seen some video of that. So heck, maybe it'll become a new uh, haven for scuba divers. Yeah. Uh, huh. Cool. Yeah, that's interesting. All those different perspectives. Uh, you know, all I know about it is the pictures you see on the internet, and uh, yeah, it's all the sort of the headache of the people diving and when they shouldn't, and it's not safe, and it's possibly you know damaging it and all that stuff. I didn't know about all that, so that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and definitely the impact of the. Uh, the restaurants, I mean, that's, that's going to be pretty devastating probably. So I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, those yeah. places are just going to have to shut down and go elsewhere. Maybe, uh, maybe yeah. not. Yeah. Um, the Maltese are a, uh, they're an ingenuitive people <laughs> and they, they've got a lot of spirit. So we'll see how they rise to the occasion, I guess. Maybe they can sell pieces of the rock or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's a possibility. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. Um, so, the kind of the first question I guess I I could uh, ask you about was sort of the general I guess burnout and I'm not sure because there was a couple of folks that kind of mentioned burnout and I, there's probably different kinds of burnout that I've experienced. Uh, one is editing the videos burns me out, and oh, I bet. And, uh, and just getting them online and that whole process, and then also like the, I guess the tidal wave of new games is sort of a burnout as well. Um, and I, I, I personally go through like different stages. There's periods of time where I'm really jazzed and excited and I'm doing videos like, you know, for weeks on end. And then you just kind of, I seem to kind of naturally hit a stage of, oh, okay, I, yeah, I'm kind of excited to make this video, but I don't want to sit down and edit it. Or I'm kind of excited to look at this game, but that's another rule book I got to read, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, what's kind of, do you get burned out? Um, yeah, well, I guess to a certain extent, I mean, I'm fortunate in that the, the filming style I have chosen really at the end of the day has a lot less work than yours. Um, I mean, I, I've, I've done plenty of video editing in my time, so I know what you have to go through to do that. And it's why I chose to do these run throughs in one take, um, you know, warts and all, because I really don't want to have to spend the time, you know, you know, hours, hours, days it would take yeah. to try to properly edit all these things to actually have a nice quality professional product like what you do. Uh, I mean, and I know I suffer for it because there's yeah. going to be a certain audience uh, segment that just completely tunes me out. But I think at the end, honestly, I think my videos are kind of stronger for the fact that I'm very 
spontaneous and you know there's yeah. kind of like a live energy to it just because you know people know I'm, I'm flying without a net i you know I'm, I'm not gonna edit anything out i mean anything could happen i could i could go blue at any time who knows if um you know some or sometimes dogs just start barking in the background or what have you so you know i've tried as hard as i can to make this easy to do um you know it's all i'm doing is just sitting down and playing the game and trying to articulate my thoughts and having been a video game designer for 20 years i'm pretty good at articulating my thoughts as well and you know, and, and you know, thinking on the fly and and making sure to you know fill in all the the empty spots. But on the whole, taken as a whole, I mean, yeah, I would say, I, I unlike you, I mean, you apparently you, you go through peaks and valleys. I've just kind of got this general purpose, um, uh, steady level of burnoutedness. I mean, I am certainly to the point where, um, rattle runs through is not something I do for fun. It's a job. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and it certainly wasn't that way at one point. And, you know, now it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the job and I'm like, okay, well, uh, this is, this is good. This is, it sure beats working for a living. <laughs> you know, I can't complain, but man, sometimes I just want to enjoy the games for the games and right. instead of sitting down to the table, playing a game and spending actually a, a friend of mine here in Malta, who is a game designer. Uh, he came over, we were playing a couple of games a few weeks ago, and I was really surprised. He said, yeah, you know what, I remember when you first moved to Malta, before you were doing the whole Rado thing full-time, you were a lot more fun to play games with. Um, <laughs> no. Because, be, be, uh, you know, and it's not a reflection of me, but because you were, I mean, how did he put it? That uh, I was more into the game, I guess. I, I had more, like, laser focus. Now, when mm -hmm. I play games, I spend an equal amount of time thinking about the game in front of me, but also thinking about... What are my thoughts about this game? How am I going to articulate about this game? What separates this game from this game? Yep. I spend as much time thinking about how to quantify a game and how to, you know, and, and it's, it's changed me as a gamer. Apparently, I was really surprised when Gordon said that. Don't get wrong. I still very much enjoy games, but I do kind of miss the days of, it, of you know, playing them just for their own sake. And then on top of that, heck, not too long ago, I did a top 10 games I wish I got to play more um, uh, because, well, it was the voter request that month. And, man, I mean, I, that could have been a top 100 games. I mean, all of these <laughs> games. Every, I, I, I play them a couple of times. I do the run through, and then I move on, and they just, I mean, I mean, you could you could – Feel the dust on these things. They're just, yeah. just oh, it's so sad. It's like the <laughs> island of misfit toys. All these things back here. I should be pulling them down every day, playing them, but I can't because there's that pile right over there of new stuff I've got to play. So, you know, like we said right up front, world's smallest violent for me. I can't complain. It's 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 a good problem to have, and you know, I like. I am a huge cult of the new guy. I love new stuff, um, but you know, it, it it can be a bit. Uh, a, a bit heavy sometimes yeah. to, to constantly keep this velocity. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. You know, that's that's funny you mention that because I certainly do the same thing. I will be playing a game and be trying to decipher, uh, you know, all of the kind of things I like to analyze in the videos about, you know, player count and, uh, you know, strategies and all that kind of good stuff. And it does sort of remove you. And one thing that's nice is, Lately, I just seem to be in a, in a stick with on my family game nights, and I think it's more to do with them than it is for me because they're like, stop bringing new games for a while kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, we'll play new stuff once in a while. Like we played uh, uh, Colbert and the card game last night along with uh, Airlines Europe. And But the last couple of weeks, it's been like London and Castles of Burgundy and San Juan a whole bunch. 
And I found when we were playing those, those are games I've played a ton already, that you're right. The mindset is so different between I don't need to analyze this now. I need to try to beat, you know, whoever or try to optimize my engine and all that stuff. So you're so focused on like winning. You know, like I don't really focus on winning as much when I'm playing a new game. And that's, you know, that's kind of a funny thing because I play uh, games, uh, you know, at a game group and then also at, um, at, at work. And there's a couple of folks like in either of those groups that are trying to win the first time they play the game, which is like its whole other thing. Uh, so like the first time you play, even a lot of people will won't necessarily try to win. They'll try to just kind of understand all the mechanisms anyway. I think I'm kind of like that. Like the first time I play, I don't really try to win so much because I want to see all the kind of the avenues you can go down. Um, but I think that kind of exponentially expands itself when you're doing reviews because you're still trying to analyze everything. Um, but they are like, they're so into it. And I keep telling them like, you don't have to win the first time you play. Like, let's figure this out. And they're like, no, whatever. Like I'm trying to win now. Like, <laughs> You know, the one guy in my game group's like, oh no, he, he's just, you know, he's, they're all good gamers or whatever, but so he's always like, oh, I won that. We don't need to play it anymore. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but he's being facetious a little bit, but, uh, yeah, but yeah there's definitely a different mindset, uh, when you're trying yeah. to pick it up. And I, I, I'm not going to say it's a bad mindset. It's, I right. still very much enjoy games. It's still my favorite thing to do. Um, I, yeah, I, I really don't have that much to complain about. I mean, I, I probably, it's, it's more question of, like you said, um, the, uh, you know, am I burnt out on? Now, the bigger thing I get burnt out on, I mean, more, if, if there's one thing that really, really drags me down, and it's been happening more and more lately, is just online negativity. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if it wasn't for Rotto Runs Through, my life would be such a happier place. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the fact that, I mean, I, there's this crazy gamut of, I mean, there are people out there who, have made it their life's mission just to really try to make me personally miserable. Um, just because for lulls, you know, that, you know, that kind of trolley type stuff. And, you know, YouTube has a, a, a fairly good amount of tools to, uh, you know, help combat that. And I, it's weird. I used yeah. to be so wide eyed and optimistic that I'm going to talk to these people. Uh, um, you know, uh, you know, this, this person who just, you know, I, I can't even say what they say. I'm going to try and get through them because it's a human being on the other side. And I understand that, you know, it, it, there's this, this depersonalization. If I can break through them and I, I just give up now and I just ban them. Um, and I feel bad about that. Uh, cause I feel right. like I'm failing, but I just have to. Um, but you know, that is almost like a cartoonish level of negativity. I mean, that's just this kind of weird thing. I'm actually, what gets me more is the stuff you see on board game geek, just this kind of creeping, um, insipid cynicism that just kind of works its way in. I mean, you know, the, the constant, um, refrain that, Oh, I must be on the take because I'm positive about games because yeah. heaven forbid, I actually just enjoy playing games. No, there's something wrong with Rado. He's, you know, he's clearly on the take. He's corrupt. You can't trust him or uh, it's just, I, I, I just, you know, I, and when I've seen people, you know, I get online and say, well, actually, no, here's the particulars. You can go to faq.rob.com. Here's my, you know, here's how I work. And then they'll just say, no, 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 you're lying right now to my face. I know you're lying because nobody, it's just, oh my God, why, why am I putting this, what, you know, that more than anything else, the, you know, the fact that I'm constantly being um, assaulted by 
the, just this, the, I mean, you know, this incredible corrosive cynicism um, that is just nowhere else in my life. It's not in, in Jen's nature. It's not in my nature. I mean, I, I guess I get a healthy dollop of it because I, you know, stay up to date on politics and whatnot. But I don't know, that kind of stuff is kind of at arm's length because it's not personal. It's not directed at me. Um, or, or the people I know, oh my gosh, the number of times, I mean, well, you, you've, I'm sure you've seen the threads on Board Game Geek where, um, you know, people will just start going after, you know, friends of ours. And I feel like, okay, I gotta jump in and try to, you know, say something. I've gotta try to talk sense to these folks and, and make them see, look, we're all human beings here. We're all geeks. You, you don't have to just assume the worst of people over and right. over and over again. And then I, you know, I end up blowing two nights in a row. 10 hours later, I've gotten nowhere and I just hate life and I have to walk yes. away. And again, I just feel like an abject failure and I've learned the hard lesson over and over again. It's better just not to even engage. And that's yeah. the saddest thing of all. But right. I, I, it's, it's getting to that point. That's the kind of thing that's really burning me out more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, what's, this is dovetail off everything you said. YouTube is easy because uh, I think YouTube is kind of like the worst place for comments if we're kind of ranking them. But it's easy for me because I'll get, if I get a comment on YouTube and, uh, you know, I might have zero tolerance policy, basically. I don't ban anybody usually because I just delete them and they don't usually comment again. And maybe they had a bad day or something. But, you know, I'll get some pretty, you know, off, really off-color comments once in a while. Yeah. And and I also get like that kind of insipid thing, but it's YouTube, I just delete it, you're gone. I don't you know, I don't need it. It's it's a, kind of like my house, you know, the, the channel and that's how I how I look at it. Now you're right, like on other places, like where you can't just go delete people that you have issued with. But it's it's a little bit tricky. And honestly, I, I kinda of, I'm with you. I think Board Game Geek itself for some reason seems to attract the worst of that. And that's it's more like in the general discussion areas. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's, boy, by the way, Joel, Joel, yeah. I hate to interrupt. You're, 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 you're on a roll, but remember before we started that sound thing, it's happening to yeah. you again. Okay, so I'm going to rejoin. I'll come right back to okay. the last one. Okay, right well, yeah. so you'll be right back. Um, yeah, this happened before, folks. We don't know what's going on. Uh, we were joking about how cursed YouTube, you're – Piece of crap is like, you can't complain. This is totally free. YouTube is giving us all this support. Um, but yeah, uh, Joel just bounced out. He bounced back in. That'll fix it. Uh, okay. Yeah. How, how are we doing now? Sat will talk. Hello? Can you hear me? You're good. You're good. You're going. Okay. Yeah. That's weird. Yep. Pray right. continue. Okay. So I, I think I was saying uh, Board Game Geek seems to be like the worst place or something. Uh, you know, it, I, it's it's... It's it is weird. I mean, it, I I think objectively it's not. I mean, you know, Reddit has okay. a lot of nasty flame stuff, and like I said, YouTube yeah. does. But yeah. it, it wherever whenever it does pop up in Board Game Geek, it feels worse. Right. Because you know, for lack of a better term, I mean, Board Game Geek feels like it should be a safe space because it's in the title. We're all here. We're all geeks together. Um, and so when you see it pop up there. It's, yeah, it just, it, it's, it feels like it hits harder because it feels like, oh, these are my peers. These are people that I'm sure if we were sitting across the table together, there wouldn't be any of this animosity, but I don't know. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I read an article one time. Uh, it wasn't an article. It was, uh, it was like a blog or something. And, and it was talking about how um, there's a mentality in the tabletop 
mindset. And I'm certainly uh, prone to this as well. So I don't want to feel like I'm sort of casting a net on others because I sort of get into that thing. Because I think uh, kind of dovetailing what we were talking about earlier about analyzing stuff, there's sort of a tendency to analyze in a cynical way uh, things in, in maybe the tabletop gamers mindset where it's mm. you're not you're not able to sort of just relax about, you know, oh, people like to have just fun and it's this is just a fun. It's a very casual kind of thing. It tends to be sort of a. I, I don't I don't know what the right kind of word is for in psychiatry, but there's sort of mm-hmm. like you can really sort of beat an argument to death beyond the point where it's healthy or necessary or going to you know expand on the argument. Are uh, you suggesting are you suggesting that's a reflection of of us? You know that you know the fact that we are drawn to these kinds of heavy games um, and that you know a very big part of that is breaking them down and taking them apart and understanding them and getting to the bottom that 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 is a a signifier that we are predisposed to do that to each other as well i think so i mean that was interesting i don't know i mean i'm not like professional psychiatrist or anything but i thought i was like okay that's kind of interesting because i've had discussions when i did visit board you know board game geek general and back before i did reviews and videos uh, where I remember getting into these arguments and I was learning about in, in my own brain about the games and how everything went together. You know, like now we have a vocabulary of a pretty established vocabulary of all the different things a game can be co-op and worker placement and player interaction and emergent strategy and all those kind of things that a lot of people uh, take for granted. But there was a time not long ago where a lot of that wasn't really well defined. Um, you know, we were just kind of learning to see, you know, the game designers would come up with it and they didn't really have a name for it. And so I think people were, uh, you know, like the concept of a co-op game, even though you play Dungeons and Dragons co-op since the seventies, it's kind of a weird example, but you know, a lot of those terms weren't coming together. So people would really get in there and, and try to pick things apart. And I think in a way of trying to establish a language and all that, and like, who does that? I mean, but <laughs> So I think there's some of that mentality in there. And if you kind of couple that with a jerk, you know, then you, you know, you, you, then you have this sort of, uh, mentality that seems to arise. So I don't know. I thought it was a weird article, but it, it was interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's another thing too. Of course, there's a, there's, I would imagine, I mean, Board Game Geek is growing leaps and bounds, you know, week after week, month after month. There's a lot of new blood coming in. And yeah. I think that's great. Um, and I wonder how much of the toxic cynicism is a reflection of the fact that, you know, there are people who have now been on Board Game Geek for 10 or 15 years. Yeah. And you know what? They've just run out of their positivity stuff to talk about. <laughs> and, um, oh, you know, look, everything good. I've already talked about that years ago. All there is now is crap. That's all I can see in front of me. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it is not, it's, it's gotten to the point where it breaks my heart, but I did ultimately unsubscribe from general, the general forum, which I used yeah. to love. Yeah. But, you know, every week there's three or four, hey, this is obviously garbage and everybody jumps on board and, or the, whether it's this person, this publisher, this game, this, yeah. This new mechanism is like, guys, can't we all just have fun? You wouldn't be this if we. It's. Um, well, I think it's. You know, I, go ahead. No, I was, go on, go on, go on. Yeah. Well, I think it's also. I think I feel like it's a general online attitude that's happened. So I'm on Facebook and all these mm-hmm. different things, and I have I have this uh, 
plugin installed for Chrome, uh, my Chrome browser called Social Fixer, just for Facebook, because <laughs> it goes through, and if it's anything political, it will hide it and minimize it, this little gray bar. Because, I mean, I don't know, and I've talked to other people about this, and it's the same for them. Like, the political discourse and all that stuff, I mean, obviously, we don't want to dive into too much politics, but it's like bananas. I mean, and, and I don't want to say anything, but to me, it's on it's on both sides. One side is maybe, you know, but I, I don't want to get into, into mud right now because I want to try to keep it up. But yeah, so I have that installed for Facebook and it hides like so much stuff. <laughs> like I remember when I first installed it, I was like, you know, post to somebody's baby or whatever. And then, da, da, da. and then it was like 10 lines of all these like gray things. I'm like, oh my gosh, you can see how, how prevalent it was by how much it was hiding. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, and it was just like, you know, on one hand, there's a lot of people that, that there's issues they care about and all that stuff, and they're very important to them, and they're, you know, it's part of their life. You know, it's not politics for them, some of these things that people like to talk about. It's them. It's their life. And they have to put up with certain things on a daily basis and all that. But on the other hand, it's also like, man, I get it. You know, I also, I'm with you on this issue or that issue. And it's like over and over. And it's like, Man, I voted, you know, I called my congressman or whatever. I did it. Like, <laughs> like I have to go to work now. I don't have to, I want to play games now. And yeah. so anyway, it's, I, it's a general, like some people like, and, and this is 100% on both sides of the aisle. There's some people that are on my Facebook that I've had to like just unfollow because it's like, man, all you do is post this, 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 this. You're like, you're like picking in a scab at this point. And it's, it, like you said, it, it, it's heartbreaking because. A lot of times, you know, maybe at least 50% of the time, I'm like agreeing. I'm like, yeah, I told that's, that's horrible or that, yeah, that's very important. We need to do more about this or whatever it is. But then the other half of me is like, no, I have to check out because it's not good for me mentally to like be sucked into this laptop or phone and be just so like spinning my wheels about whatever issue it is. And I feel like that's just, that's across the board. I don't think that's a BGG thing. And I think, but maybe some of that's kind of like informing it. So. <laughs> yeah. And, um, it's, it's, uh, as you said earlier, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's a result of being on the internet too. Um, somebody posted on one of my videos the other day, um, just completely out of the blue. I think he just stumbled across my video, knew nothing about me, watched uh-huh. a, bit of because he was interested in whatever game it was and he decided to post yeah i watched your video you clearly have no idea what you're doing you're ramshackle you're uh you're you're a total mess you should probably stop doing this just saying smiley face it's like oh yeah that's yeah what 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 was going through your mind um you know and imagine yourself in real life, I'm at a park. I'm in Central Park trying to do Tai Chi, you know, those big groups. And I'm kind of new at it, and I'm kind of sloppy. Can you imagine somebody walking up to you and say, oh, yeah, you know, your form's real crap there. You should clearly just stop. Just letting you know, have a nice day. Bye. Nobody does that. Nobody would ever do that in real life. But this disconnect, this digital frontier we are living and working in now just changes the rules. And it's weird. I read somewhere, um, you know, it was uh, it was an article about online trolling and whatnot. And you know, you know, you know your kids, you know, you know, the generation who have grown up with this, it, yeah. it fundamentally they have a fundamentally different view about the reality of what online communication means. I take every online communication I have with anybody and treat as if I was 
in the room with them. Um, and I always try to treat them with respect. I always try to, you know, talk them off a ledge and, and, and see their point of view and whatnot. But that's not the way it works anymore. People say stuff and they wonder, well, why are you getting upset about what I said? It didn't mean anything. I said it online. It's, it's, it's meaningless. Yeah. I, if yeah. I said it to you in real life, I understand why I'd be upset. It's like, it's, I, it's this crazy generation gap to, on some, and so I have now, I mean, you can see all this gray hair. I have become, you know, grandpa saying, get off my lawn, you kids, <laughs> with your crazy social medias. But it's, I, 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 I well, don't know if I can divorce myself from, you know, 40, seven years of this is the way social interaction works. Um, it's very, very strange. Well, I don't think that, uh, at least in my experience, and I just have my kids and their friends to go off of, uh, but I don't see it as much. I know there is bullying and things like that that's happened, and I have seen that uh, not with my older son, but there was a situation when he was back in high school uh, where there was kids getting after each other. And I, you've seen about it on the news and stuff. Um, but so I remember that incident, but mostly my kids don't get on to the social media stuff. Uh, we have, they do Instagram and Snapchat, like neither one of them's on Twitter, neither one, they're on Facebook, but they don't really use it at all, especially my youngest son. Um, and so, and we, you know, we've been, we try to teach them like, Hey, when you say something, I can think of a situation, my youngest son, you know, he used a dirty word with somebody, uh, it was, it was a while ago, and we were like, whoa, this is, but this is a lockdown, you know, buddy. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, and he's been, you know, he was receptive to that, and he was, he was callous and casual about it, but then he understood, you know, he, he's a kid, he's learning. Um, uh, but yeah, they don't get on it too much, and it seems like their friends don't as well. Uh, so I think, to me, the worst offenders Although I don't know the age of the people on Board Game Geek and Reddit and stuff. I mean, maybe they're like in their 20s, but I, I yeah, I don't know. To me, the worst offenders are the people that are older than me. You know, like the baby boomers, my parents' generation, they seem to be like the most, uh, not, not as a whole, but just of those that I'm seeing that are, are can be nasty. Um, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know that it matters. I think the kids are, they're like us. They're the same as us. They're capable of, of processing that. And I think part of the problem is, is they're, they're growing up while this internet communication social media thing is also growing up. So I think there's yeah. some shake out there. So I think that is, I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty confident that that's going to get better with. Oh yeah. The there's no choice about it. It's, yeah, I mean, it, it, this is a fundamental sea change. Um, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, humanity is finding a completely new way uh, to interact with each other and there's going to be growing pains and I get that. And in a hundred years, it'll, uh, everybody will be on the same page and it'll be as common and comfortable as talking on the phone. Heck, I imagine back, uh, after, you know, sir, you know, Graham Bell said whatever he said, uh, you know, Watson, come here, I need you. And everybody started using the phone. There was probably an equal amount of discord over. Yeah, you're just not the same now that we're not in the same room talking to each other. The fact that we are talking, you know, through these wires, it's it's changed everything, and we can never go back to truly proper civil discourse. And I get that. And you know, back to the original burnout question. I know it's it's on me. And the the most important thing is, I know for every one negative thing I run into, and this isn't just true for Rattle Runs, this is true for Board Game Geek. This is true across the board. For every one negative thing I run into, I run into a hundred positive things. And 
it's just human nature to forget about all of that good stuff and just focus like a laser on that one person who said, yeah, you clearly don't know what you're doing. You should just stop. Bye. And it's like, and, you know, and that'll just eat you up inside. And I just know it's, it's on me, but yeah, it's, it's just a, it's just part of the job. Well, you know, there's another, just to kind of they put a little button on it. There's a thing called this video will make you angry. It's on YouTube. Uh, just, if you just go to the YouTube and search, this video will make you angry. It, it talks about the psychiatry of why that why why what you said just said happens why you fix it on the one like nasty comment that affected you in such a, a mm-hmm. bad way mm-hmm. uh, and it's certainly a chemical reaction in our brain at least I mean yeah. it's a very it's a very amateur video but very well done and it makes sense and it it connected with me I was like oh okay this makes perfect sense why I was scrolling Facebook and this one off the wall post just like ruined my day not really but uh you know really jacked me up as opposed to all these 45 nice things i just saw so uh yeah yeah so it's it that one really resonated with me like why that happens like why do you fix it on the one negative thing out of the hundred but yeah and and i don't want to be on here being just as bad just being you know endlessly negative and complaining about you know other people when yeah. I'm complaining, yeah, other people complain too much. Now let's complain about that a bit. You know, it's it's on me yeah. to you know, try to stay up, be positive. And, you know, the golden rule is so important. And um, just slightly less important than that is Hanlon's razor, which is the number one thing you have to live by. And it's just amazing how often people forget. Um, what is it? It's um, never ascribe to malice that which can be explained by ignorance. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but just, you know what, yeah. maybe they are evil. Maybe they right. just don't know the whole picture. Yeah. You know, and, and from their perspective, what they say and what they think makes sense. And you just have to understand they don't have the same perspective on it as you. Um, man, the number of times I've typed that in while trying to protect, defend board game publishers from walls of hate. Um, from, I, I just don't understand why board game geeks just want to rip apart board game publishers because they're human and they make mistakes. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's just absolutely mind boggling to me when everything about this just be fun. I mean, you know, nobody goes into the board game publishing business to try to defraud people and, you know, and realize their ultimate evil goal. They do it because they want to create something that's joyful and happy and spread that. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's, and okay, I'm going to stop doing it again because, uh, <laughs> it just means that whenever someone does that, they, I mean, well, heck, I know that for a fact. There's a lot of people complaining about one game that I did a run through for. It's mostly fulfilled, but there's some people who haven't gotten their stuff and, and the oh. guy's gone quiet. Everybody's like, all right, this guy is evil. It's like, no, he's going through the nastiest divorce you've ever seen. His life is complete chaos and destruction now. And he just doesn't have time for you folks. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it's, Ah, it's, it's heartbreaking. But anyway, sorry, that's, that's, uh, I think we've gone off topic. Yeah, that's fine. Your next um, question, sir. Yeah, so I just wanted to, um, a lot of people are talking in the chat about that, you know, uh, what we just have been talking about. Um, but so that's, that was kind of the second part of the reviewer angst thing. I want to kind of dovetail us out of that based on the first part, which was the kind of, you know, all the new games, all the new rules reading, all the analysis that you have to do. Uh, and, go into the topic that was voted number two. And that was sort of uh, analysis of like game trends that we're seeing. And I just threw out some that I, I think are uh, sort of trendy or hot right now. 
You've got legacy games. You've sure. got games with apps as a supplement or maybe even the yep. whole game. And then you have these, this kind of new trend, which I think we're seeing is I call them like escape room games or they're deduction games, but they're not like your resistance or one night ultimate werewolf. They're more of your Sherlock Holmes consulting detective games. Cause you've yep. got that one that's been redone with like a sequel. You've got Holmes and Watson, which is really fun, but it's like a competitive, uh, Sherlock Holmes. And then you've got a new one coming out called Deadline and a new one coming out called Detective, which also uses an app. Uh, that one's from Portal. Yep. And then there's another one I'm forgetting, but so you have this kind of new, like, well, I, I would, I would also throw into that list time stories. Right. Yeah. That's another good one. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you have this where you have these like cases or modules that are kind of one-shot deals. You've got to sort of, uh, you know, put clues together either by reading cards or in the case of some of these escape room games, like looking at clues on a board or a map of some kind. And uh, usually they take like an hour and then you're you're done with it. And sometimes you can replay them. Like in the case of time storage, you could repackage that up and then give it to a friend or sell it off or whatever. Um, and some of these like the escape room ones, you will – most likely, uh, quote unquote damage. They're almost like legacy deduction games where, you know, once you've opened up and cracked a thing, you can't play it again. Although some of them you can put back and they have like rules to, okay, you've tore this up or marked this up. Now just print out the PDF we've got and you can stick it back in and then, you know, somebody else could play it. Uh, so I think those are kind of the three main new trends that I can see. Um, maybe I've forgotten some. But I don't know if you had any thoughts about what, uh, you know, anything that you've been seeing or excited about. I really like all these escape room things because my family and I have had a good, had a good time with them. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, obviously, you know, that's going on, the escape room thing, at the same time that escape rooms in real life are right. exploding in popularity. I mean, it's just amazing. It's unthinkable just how big an industry overnight those things have become. I have a friend who uh, runs his own escape room. And whenever I talk to him, he's constantly talking about it, uh, evaluating them. And, you know, there are now networks of escape room designers who, um, you know, design these things and sell them and, you know, and, you know, I customize them for individual places and, or, you know, or license their designs out. There's this amazing, insane industry. And it's just literally come out of nowhere in the blink of an eye. So the escape room board game thing, I think, is really kind of piggybacking off of that because, you know, I mean, so much of what makes that a great experience, mechanically anyway, is just so easy to put into a box. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just kind of a no-brainer. Now, of course, a big part of what you what makes those so, you know, amazing, the atmosphere, the ambiance, the fact, you know, the almost roller coaster ride nature of them. Yeah, you, you can't quite put that stuff in the box, although I guess some of them do that, right? Some of them, you know, well, at the very least, they, they, they have apps, so you get the right atmosphere or... Right. Um, I mean, aren't some of them, don't they, I, I haven't actually done a single one of these things, but I know some of the early ones, like I said, they're one-time things because they actually have you like using beakers and combining ingredients and, um, you know, and consuming yeah. things and all that. I mean, that's amazing. That's absolutely right. awesome. I mean, I'd love to experience it. The thing that bugs me about them, and I don't understand this at all, but time after time after time, I, oh, look, here's another one that's been announced. Here's another one that's been announced over and over and over again, always. Three player minimum, and I don't get that at all. It's oh. just completely, I, yeah, with, you, with a few exceptions. 
Um, and, I, and here's the thing. I mean, I, I mentioned this and everybody says, yeah, you know, and I played this one that says it's a 3D8. You, you could totally do that solo. You could totally do it as a two-player game. And um, yes. so I, don't, I fundamentally don't get this attitude that the de developers of these board games have. And this is true for Time Stories as well. Uh, Time Stories was originally going to be a three-player minimum. And, you know, they only threw in the two-player rules, the terrible two-player rules at the last second. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's very, very strange to me. And while everybody says, no, 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 you can go ahead and try it anyway, I'm, I'm just not inclined to do it because I'm just going to give the developers of these the benefit of the doubt. If they decide, yeah, you need to have three to play my game, okay, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not right. going to try and talk you out of it. I'll, I'll, I won't play your game. It's really weird. Uh, I mean, I, it, I feel kind of weird bringing it up, except it's just been so prevalent. Um, and then, you know, yeah. I read the reports from people playing. I was like, oh, I played it with my wife. It was great. There were no problems. I played it with my 12-year-old daughter. It was great. Um, yeah. it's, it's weird. I don't, I don't get that. Yeah, I think the thing with this tape room is it's oh, You're going to have to log out again, buddy. You, you, uh, you have broken down. All right. I'll be right back. Okay. He's left me alone with all of you. Let's see. Do I see any question marks here? Nope. But thanks for acknowledging the great energy and the passion. I always try to bring that. Oh, and he's back. Phew. How is, uh, how is it now? You're great, baby. Okay. That's a weird. Yeah, that is strange. It must be something because I've got my new mic thing hooked up here. So maybe like YouTube starts fighting it or something. Uh, so yeah. So one thing is, with escape rooms and also the board games, the player count is a huge deal because if you do a real escape room yeah. and if it's depending on the difficulty and the amount of like threads of clues, uh, the number of players is very important because you need enough stuff going on to keep maybe eight people happy or so, uh, or, you know, and then if you only have like four people, there's too much going on. And I'm talking like real escape room here. So that kind of, you know, that matches to what, how the escape room in a, in a box kind of idea works. But I will say, I think, I think folks are, 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 are pretty accurate when they're telling you, well, yeah, you can play it with two. Cause like the first one we did was this escape room in the box and it was a prototype and my son and I did it. It was just the two of us. Yeah. And it, it gives you an hour. So we, I, I was sure that we weren't going to do it in an hour. We actually finished it in about 80 minutes or so. Um, it was less than 90. So. You know, that's because it, it was me and my son, that was it. He'd never done anything yeah. like it this time. He's done escape rooms mm -hmm. in real life with me. So I think it's it's just the time that you have. Because you could do it solo if you really wanted to. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, just, you would never get it done in an hour because you need all of those different uh, personalities, frankly, and thought processes that people go through um, to get an escape room done. Because th there's different types of clues and everything. Um uh, and I can think of one time, you know, we did a real escape room with my son and he was the rock star in that one because there was a couple of things that he just like somehow, uh, like naturally took to what the answers were and actually got, and there was four or five adults in the room. You know, we all pulled our own weight too, but there was a couple of instances where he was like, damn, he got the clue or he knew how to work this one lock. And I was like, Oh, look at you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so the player count's huge because you need to have a certain amount of minds at the table kind of thing. I think there's like the, so like an information threshold that these folks kind of work out. You know, they're not always going to be exactly right, but, uh, but yeah, you can certainly do a two player though. Yeah. I would say, yeah, you, you probably got to give yourself more time, you know, get, depending on how tricky the puzzles are. I, I'm sure that's the case. And like I said, I just fundamentally don't understand why developers are purposely 
limiting their player audience. Um, yeah. I don't know what it is they feel that, you know, I mean, obviously a big part of what makes an escape room great is the social group dynamic, everybody working on it together. That was a big part of why Time Stories was originally going to be a three-player minimum, and they weren't Space Cowboys wasn't going to budge. They were going to say three-player, we don't care, because yeah. – a big part of that game is players telling stories to each other. And they had this attitude that, oh, only two players telling stories to each other can't be compelling. I'm here to say it can oh, be. No, but that's record. not right. Um, but it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's just some kind of, I mean, 20 years ago, if I tried to get into board modern designer board games 20 years ago, I would have tried it and walked away because there was such a small emphasis on strong, solid two-player experiences. Um, you know, I mean, even 10 years ago, it was it, 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 you know, it, it, El Grande was the uh, was the norm as opposed right. to the exception rule. I mean, no, I mean, yeah, you you have to have or you know, Princes of Florence or what have you. You got to have three or four or five people to even consider this to be playable. And what? Why would we bother making two-player rules for this? What's the point? That was Martin Wallace's entire. Um, early uh, uh, profession was letting other people come up, you know, letting his fans come up with the two-player rules for brass or what have you. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that it seems like things are changing now and there is a stronger emphasis and appreciation for the two-player experience because, quite frankly, I mean, I have no solid data to back this up, but I'd bet money. Uh, two-player couples gaming is probably one of the fastest-growing segments in terms of new people coming in and playing board games. So it certainly behooves yeah. developers to pay more attention to that. Um, but of course, I would say that, seeing as how that's kind of my shtick. Right, right. No, I think you're right. And I've heard, uh, I talked to a publisher about this, this was a couple of years ago, and he said, yeah, two-player games don't sell as much as the the other games. And I was like, I don't think that's true, because, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, I really don't. I mean, you know, my wife and I will play games, uh, you know, now and again. She's not as much of a gamer, like, as Janet, for example. But, you know, it's a great experience when we do do it. And I know plenty of other couples, though. Uh, there's a couple in my game group. They play games every day of the week and, you know, they're always doing it. And, you know, in my former game group back in mm, 15 years ago, roughly, uh, there was a, that was the main, uh, people that hosted was this couple and they played games throughout the week. And, you know, then we'd all come over there on a Wednesday, but, you know, I know so many couples that play and I see online how many couples play and I, you know, and, uh, yeah, I don't think that's true that they don't sell. Um, but yeah, it's anyway. So, I, yeah, I, well, I, I think I, you know, there's there's a lot of perceived wisdom, and you know, it certainly was the true back in the day. Again, 20 years ago, I don't think there was many people looking for solid two player experiences. Um, yeah. Although I guess the entire Cosmos line, two player line, might beg to differ in terms of that. But I mean, right. I mean I've certainly talked to publishers a lot uh, about you know their games as they're trying to talk to me about. Um, you know, going on Kickstarter or what have you. And I think there's a much more uh, solid acknowledgement of the fact that, yeah, you know, if we don't put two on that box, if we put three player minimum, we're losing a yeah. huge potential market. Um, I'm still always so grateful when a publisher is brave enough to willingly put that three player minimum on there because it's a terrible two player experience. Um, right. It's becoming more, you want to talk about trends. That's certainly a trend of, Hey, let's just find a way to make this kind of okay as a two player. And it's like, well, I mean, the number of times I come across a game where, okay, yeah, that works, but I would not want to own this game as a two-player game. It's that's unfortunate. The uh, common. Yeah, yeah, you, you do definitely see people stretch the low end and the high end of that player count when it's not wise. <laughs> you know, yeah. a lot, and you see a lot of that people trying to squeeze in uh, solo rules to a game. Um, 
which is another thing. Yeah, too. which is an interesting trend, by the yeah. way. Uh, yeah, you want to talk about stuff. I mean, yeah, it seems like there's such a much stronger focus on solo gaming now, which is cool. I actually, I really, really like that in theory. Not that I play solo games at all, but that, that's actually a genuinely surprising one to me. I, I almost say it's surprising to me in the same way that it must have been surprising to standard developers 10 years ago with what, what, why do people care about all these two player experiences? <laughs> and probably a lot of people are saying now, why does anybody care about this solo experience? And in a few years, it's like, well, what was wrong with you is clearly a big right. deal. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think that's it. Now, some other folks brought up, uh, you know, miniatures, gaming, everything's got a miniature in it, uh, which I've been enjoying. I started painting miniatures last year, so that's pretty fun. Speaking of solo gaming. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. That, that's a nice solo experience to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, you do see that, you know, like you got these Rising Sun and, um, all the cool mini or not games and all that stuff happening. And I think, uh, you know, one thing that's interesting to me about this is the technology involved with the board game components. Yeah. I mean, it's so like beyond what it was just a few years ago. Uh, you have the miniatures, for example, but it, you know, not that I don't, I don't know all the ins and outs of how you make a mold and all that kind of stuff. But not that long ago, I don't think it was as easy as it is today to do that. And the, it seems yeah. to me like the printing technology and just the types of components that go into a game. I'm trying to think there's been, I mean, escape room games, they have, you know, different components of how you open things and lock boxes and all that stuff. And uh, that's just really taken off. And you, know, you can, then you get the apps and games and that's, you know, Having a portable electronic computer, you know, it's just, it's just gonna, I think it's gonna change things so much. We haven't even seen people really scratch the surface with any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every day the technology is getting better and better and better, but you can still have the essence, I think, of a board game experience and the social experience, even with all this whiz bang plastic and electronics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. That was just something folks were mentioning in the chat. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fair point. Um, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people are, well, I don't, actually, I don't know if a lot of people get concerned about the integration of digital content in. I know there's certainly a, there's certainly a vocal minority of people who are very, very worried about that. Yes, there um, is. And I'm, I, it, that always strikes me as so odd um, because, well, one, it's just not even remotely a, a feasible concern because those digital components are so hard to put together. You're never really going to see the majority of games getting the same kind of attention that an XCOM or a Mansions of Madness second edition does because that's hard. Software development, you know full well oh, as yeah. a professional software developer just how yeah. hard that is. And it's yeah. beyond the purview of most board game publishers. One of the, the beauties and the charms of board game publishing is anybody with an, with an idea and, um, you know, a, a strong work ethic can put right. together an incredibly high quality component, like say Gloomhaven just came out the other day that right. rivals, you know, anything put together by the biggest um, publishers in the industry. But you know, the same is not true for the digital integration. But the other reason not to worry about it is because, Oh gosh, what was, um, which Star Trek movie was it where, um, Oh, first contact where data and Picard are down in the missile silo 
and uh, Picard reaches out and touches the the, the, the converted missile because it's going to be the, the, the first warp capable ship. And, you know, right. he had gone back in time and touched it. And he just he wants. And there's a quiet moment where he reaches out and touches it. And Data says, "What what is it? What what is humankind's proclivity to to need to touch to have physical contact?" And it was interesting. I mean, Picard who was rarely at a loss for words, really couldn't articulate, I think, well enough for data, why it is so important to feel the imperfections, to, to have that sense of physical connection. But it right. is hardwired into us. Um, and even if an android like data can't understand, I think all of us can. And, you know, it's once you've experienced uh, you know, like like me. I mean, coming from a predominantly digital gaming background and you know, getting into physical gaming, I don't think there's any danger of digital taking over because – um, you know, people will never want to stop touching these things. Uh, right, right. You, know, you know, electronic chess has been around since the 70s, but um, it still hasn't replaced beautiful chess boards the world over. Uh, right, people right. still want to touch the thing. They want to look into the eye of, of you know, the person they're playing with. And that's, that's what's the most beautiful about this hobby is it's a form of entertainment that no other form of entertainment can really match. Um, so I'm, I'm never really worried about that particular angle. Yeah, nor am I, and I and I think you're right. There is, if, if there's a way for me to guarantee a couple of down thumbs on a video, it's to mention apps and board games, <laughs> and probably Games Workshop. But anyway, uh, but yeah, so I'm like, oh, why don't why is this video getting like a few more thumbs down? Oh, I must have talked about apps, and I did. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, and then people will comment, and that, that's what will remind me of it. But uh, I agree. I think, man. To me, you're not gonna ever. You're gonna have to. Uh, you're, you're gonna have to reset yourself again. Oh, Lordy, it's crazy. I'm Enough. gonna blame the mic. I didn't do anything. All right, be right back. All right. Yeah. If 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 my sound is going odd, by all means, somebody let me know. Um, like I said, he's just trying out a new mic. That's a big mistake. You never try out equipment. You don't give it a dry run in front of people. It's insane. So I'm sorry, you were saying? And we're back. Are we sound good? Yes. Yep, yep. You're fine. That is odd. All right. I didn't forget what I was saying this time. Uh, talked about getting thumbs down and then the app. Yeah, to me, yeah, like, I was just kind of agreeing with what you were saying. I forgot. I had a good point, but now I forgot. Uh, ah, well. Yeah, so I was just agreeing with you because I think that, um, I don't know, like digital is so prevalent. It just is. And it's not like, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, I, it's, I guess it's, I have some sympathy for that argument that I, I don't want this in my, my last refuge away from screens. Please don't bring those to the table. I, I guess right. I'm sympathetic to that, even if I don't understand it. Right. Um, but to I me, I, I get it for a little bit, but like, it's like, oh, I don't want fire. I don't want hammers. You know, I, I don't want uh, cars in my life. I mean, cause I mean, there's a lot of people, not so much now, but, once we started filling up all these roads with cars, you know, <laughs> I'm sure yeah. there was people that were like, this is terrible. I never want, you know, this is awful. Now, I was born yeah. in LA, we're just north of it. And so like, I lived like, that was it. I love freeways and cars and, you know, I, I love it. Um, I don't know why <laughs> it's good. I was born <laughs> but, you know, and I think that's part of now is like, you know, phones and all this is just, it's just going to be there. It's just going to be there. So it's not something. Yeah. And like you said, it's this whole sea change in in uh, social interaction, technology, and um, but I don't think it's going to take away from the human to human interaction. We're no, we're, it, we're, yeah. all, 
Yeah, I mean, when we invented fire, we we had to we had to burn ourselves a few times, and so I think it's the same kind of thing with social media and phones. It's yeah. just we gotta. You don't you don't really know the issues that are going to be involved. You know, like online bullying. Like I don't think that's something people thought about at all when they were inventing these phones and everything. You know, like oh, people are going to bully each other with these. That wasn't what was going through their head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we are at almost an hour. Okay. Um, and so the funny thing with these chats sometimes is sometimes they ask a bunch of questions, and a lot of times they just talk to each other. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's what they've been doing mostly. Is we're just the social lubricant for them? <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's the yeah. funniest thing. We're just and the act I, on stage they're completely ignoring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the funniest thing because I'll join like a Dice Tower feed once in a while or whatever, and I'll just jump on and then – Nobody is, I mean, I think they're all listening to us, but <laughs> like, they're just all talking to each other. I mean, I think it's great. I don't know why I, I get a kick out of it. It's like, Oh, we're talking. And then these other people are just, we're like, like a white noise podcast. And then they're just like, I'll talk, talking to each other. <laughs> oh, that yeah, this guy, Nathaniel says, you guys are my WD 40. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I have actually a question for you. Okay. Um, that kind of circles back around to the original topic of, uh, Behind the scenes, although we, to be honest, we haven't really talked much behind the scenes stuff, but I have a big yeah. question for you. Behind the brain. Uh, based on a, uh, a big surprise move you made just a week ago or so. Uh-oh. I mean, only a couple of months ago, you set up a Patreon page. Yeah. Um, and in all honesty, yours was wildly successful compared to most because I've spent a lot of time looking at and evaluating Patreon and thinking about whether I should switch to that as a form of crowdfunding and all of that. Um, and so you had done it. And then literally just a couple of days ago, out of the blue, you said, Hey guys, you know what? Thanks for your support. I think I'm just turning this off. <laughs> yeah. No okay. explanation. I'm just Not doing an it. explanation. <laughs> I mean, it might be an adequate one, sir. Oh, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I've had a few other people sort of ask me, like, hey, what's the real story or kind of thing. Um, but so to me, it's a lot, there's a lot going on in it. And the thing with the channel, my channel is I kind of have a pattern of stuff I do. I'll do these kind of things. I'll do reviews, top 10 lists and little bloggy things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've, I've started doing some like hobbying videos over the last few months and that kind of stuff. And I've felt that the folks on Patreon sort of signed up for one thing. And that was kind of the reviews and the top 10 lists and everything. Yeah. And frankly, we're talking about burnout. And to me, I've, I'm wanting to steer the channel in a different direction that I don't know what. Oh, wow. Kind of thing. So that's, okay. you know, and I'm not sure if it, if it will change that much at all either. But, you know, talking about burnout and, uh, it's probably hard to pick this up, you know, with me online, but like, I, I actually like burn out and stuff pretty quick. <laughs> I'm a little bit of a, like an uh, ADD pit bull kind of thing. I don't have ADD, so I don't want to make light of that, but, um, you know, I, I will kind of go after something and then I will go at it pretty hard as you can see here. Um, mm-hmm. and so I have that kind of tendency to do that. And so I didn't want to like do that on their dime kind of, so to speak. I know they're not really, you know, it's more of a, Patreon, honestly, it's more of a donation thing where people are, and that's the feedback I've gotten since shutting it down. It's like, no, 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 I was just, 
you know, I was giving you money because I like your content and I want to support you and you keep going. And I don't really care what you put out because I expect that what you put out was something I'll enjoy, that if you enjoy it, I'll enjoy it kind of thing. So that's fine. Um, but to me, it just was like I was at a point where uh, I was not like in a good place. Let's just say that earlier last okay. week and then the week. So it, it's not a heavy thing, but I just was at a place where I was like, man, I really want to do like these these five or six things with my video series. Like I just I want to try them and see if they work. And, you know, yeah. if it's something I even want to do. And I was just at a point where like I really wanted to try a bunch of different stuff. But I have this thing, like you mentioned, it's kind of a job, sort of like a second job. Um, not negatively, but I was like, okay, I can't like do this and then do these other things that I want to do. And I wasn't really sure. And, you know, the whole thing that kicked it off was this conversation about, Hey, why don't you do a top 100 list again? And, right. and again, I want to make sure because a couple of folks that brought it up were like, Oh no, what have I done? You know, <laughs> like, no, it's got nothing to do with that conversation. It crystallized because it really had been like bothering, you know, sometimes stuff bothers you, but you can't figure out what, what's bothering you. And that's what was been going on. Cause I had this like angst in the back of my brain. It was like, God, what does bother me? Like, I'm just not excited to do this. And, and it's because like, for example, I like, I want to do like 40 you videos. Of the, the, I'm sorry, the top 100 specifically, or you mean in general, the, the way you're, you were losing enthusiasm for drive yeah. you as a whole. Yeah. So that triggered cause I was okay. like, they asked me, Hey, do a top 100. Or, you know, when are you going to do that? Cause I did it in uh, 2015, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I've been asked, like, are you going to do one, you know, every year? And I'm like, uh, I mean, honestly, those are a pain <laughs> to do. I don't know. Like, I get why people like them because it's like, oh, here's a checklist of games I can go research. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, you give me like the two, four, five minute blurb about each game. Okay. That looks, I don't like that. You know, and then you can sort of go, cause when I started getting into the hobby, like real heavy, I was like, Okay, I'm gonna walk down the BGG top 100. I'm gonna research all these games. And what is this about? Why is this race yeah. so high? Why did Tom Vassell like this? Why is this his number one game? Did, you know, I get why people do that. Um, but like, I also don't like, didn't like making it that much because honestly, the, the bottom 50, that's probably completely changed since I did my top 100. Um, you know, for the most part, some of them have moved up, some of them have gone off, you know, obviously. So I don't like the thing I don't like about top X lists is there's like a gospelness to them, which I don't like that. I, and that gets back to the sort of poindexter analytics of, of board gaming, uh, people trying to categorize and define and, you know, put in these different boxes. Yeah. And I, to me, it's I've such always been hesitant about that. I refuse to do a top 10, but I'll do. I'll do three top threes <laughs> or what have you. Right. And it's, it's such a, to me, it's such a process of, and it's always evolving. Like I know, like I said earlier, I know my opinion is going to change in a year. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, like a year ago, I was not doing miniature gaming because I had all of these preconceptions about them, which are frankly, some of them are true, but, uh, <laughs> but I was like, I got so into that. And I was like, I can't believe I've missed out on this because there's this great community here locally. Um, in the next town anyway, of great folks that have been uh, really started up a great community with uh, the Age of Sigmar's anyway. But so that's the thing about gaming is so many of these things, there's just, I don't know. And maybe this is, I'm kind of rambling now, but I, anyway, getting back to the original point, I was in a place where 
I was like, I don't know what I want to do with my channel, like at all. And I was just like, honestly, I was sure if I wasn't, didn't want to continue it after this year. And, you know, and that's not an announcement or anything. I was just in a place where I just really wasn't sure, like, what I wanted to do. And because I know, like, getting back to kind of the reviewer mentality, honestly, for me, and I think this is probably for you and others as well, the creation of the video and stuff is, uh, it's another hobby. It's, it's a part of, um, my own time as well. So yeah. you can kind of, you kind of pair that. So it, it's healthy for me to do the videos. Sometimes I get burned out on it. Yeah. But the actual process, sometimes I got really excited. Like I just did a review of moons. There was a couple other videos. This is a good example. There was a couple other videos I wanted to be working on. And I just did a review for this unknown trick taking game called moons. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And mm-hmm. cause it was, it was surprisingly fun. I didn't expect it to be as fun as it was. And then I was jazzed to do about, do that. You know, um, I could have done a vi- vi- review for something that maybe would have gotten more views or whatever, but who cares? Yeah. And so that's kind of at the point I was, I was like, man, there's these things that I feel like people are expecting me to do, or maybe I'm creating that artificial desire. So, but I just mm-hmm. wanted to like, just break it, just get rid of it. So it was and a just, case where you did uh-huh. not want to be beholden to Okay, well, if I'm bringing in, I think you were, it was like 250 or 300 a month. Um, yeah. that brings with it certain audience expectations that are going to exacerbate the fatigue you were already feeling. And you didn't want to kill drive through reviews. So you're like, okay, well, I, I just, I don't need that extra pressure right. of having to perform X, Y, and Z. Um, or was it more that, okay, I don't feel it's fair to bring that money in every month with people paid for X, Y, and Z, but I'm going to be off doing, you know, thigh, yeah. beta, and gamma. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I, yeah, I wouldn't know. Cause like, I don't really honestly expect to change. Like next week I plan on doing two more reviews. So, mm-hmm. but I also, in the back of my mind, I know. And I didn't want to get to a point where um, I had, I had changed. And then people were like, whoa, did you change underneath me? That's not what I expected. You know, I just don't want to screw that up. So, because it's kind of stuff is going to change to a degree. And I just don't know how much. And so I was like, you know, whatever. I'm not in this for, you know, picking up a check every month kind of thing. Well, so, yeah, you have a day job. And yeah, it's- I do. I work. And that's, you know, like my free time is my free time, you know, as well. So I was like, yeah. Well, actually. You're going to have to bail again and join because you're starting to get a little crackly again. But when you come back, my question to you is, why did you start the Patreon in the first place then? Um, you know, what was it to achieve a particular thing? Was it just to make sure, um, you know, I mean, on your day job, you can get to Gen Con, but you can't quite justify it to your wife and you were, or, I mean, what, what, I'm really curious, was it a preliminary step to switching careers? All right, I'll be right back. <laughs> All right. Oh, what a cliffhanger I've left us, folks. And now he just doesn't come back at all. And I just uh, stare into my own eyes. Look at me. Aren't I lovely? Um, oh, and there's a one question. And it's a question for Joel. Um, if you're expecting excited at the top 100, we're trying you from skipping. Yeah. And he's and back, folks. We're back. All right. This is annoying. All right. So, yeah, what was the Patreon for? Um, well, I wanted – there were some things I wanted to do. Uh, one of these was get a new mic, which I've gotten. Okay. And it was just kind of a way to supplement as well, going to conventions. Like I'm going to be going to 
uh, Origins this year. Yeah. Um, that's all booked out. And then also I'm going to pack some plug, which I'm really excited about. Um, so it's just oh, a way yeah. also to kind of, uh, to, to, um, you know, offset the expense of, mm-hmm. uh, of the hobby. Cause, um, to a degree, I mean, doing the thing costs me money as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was just kind of a general thing. And, uh, you know, I had some ideas for it. Um, possibly if it got to, a point where I could have it, um, you know, more directly fund a certain thing. And there was a couple of things, like I said, the cam or the mic and stuff like that. And I figured I would go to a convention this year. So I figured oh, a few months of this will help for that. Mm-hmm. But again, it was one of those things I wasn't really sure uh, how, how it would work, uh, but it wasn't like to make this a career or anything. Um, like I say, I'm in software, so I'd, uh, I think this would be a fun job. This is, I've thought, I've, you know, I've thought about this. I know. I mean, you have to. I mean, cause you see me, you see Rodney, you see Tom. Right. Uh, shut up and sit down, guys. There's a small handful. And I mean, I, 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 you gotta wonder, could you make that jump as well? Your kids yeah. are growing up. They're leaving the nest soon. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, time for your midlife crisis and all of that. <laughs> right. I'm getting there. Um, yep. But, um, yeah. So I've thought about that. But the other thing is, I mean, like, my job gives me a 401k, right? So mm, that's yeah. kind of like, okay, that, but the, the thought process kind of stops there because it's more future planning, future proofing, retirement stuff. Sure. So if I were to switch out of this, then, you know, it's not a huge 401k or anything. So, you know, <laughs> I still got some work to put in now. Um, and not that the 401k will necessarily be worth anything because who knows what. Nah, yeah. That's a fair point. Yeah. Man, Economy man, could man. just go. Live for today, man. YOLO. Yeah. Yeah. I know. But, um, <laughs> and my job, my company is a, a good company. Um, mm-hmm. so I like working there sometimes. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. So I've thought about it, but I just don't know. And that's the thing, Richard is, you know, with me, I don't really know what I could bring. Yeah to the table if I were to make this full time as well. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you, you got your thing and like you talked about earlier with the sort of the spontaneity, the analysis, and it feels you're kind of, you know, you're playing as you're recording. That's, that's, that's Richard, you know, and you have your, all your thought process analysis that goes into it. And I remember from watching your first video of Helvetia and I'm yeah. like, you know, you were just doing it. But then I was like, man, this guy really was picking this apart really well. And I didn't think anything of it. And then, you know, years later now, you're, it, it is what it is. But, you know, Rodney's got his deal and Tom's got his deal. So I don't know that I could, I don't feel like I could bring anything to me that people would be like, okay, yeah, we, this is, um, and I also don't know, like, I mean, we're rambling. I'm rambling anyway, but, you know, like, I don't know that I want viewers to pay me. You know, I don't think yeah. I want publishers to pay me because that's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, doing previews here and there, or like, you know, selling ad space, that's one thing. But like to make enough money to make it a living, I don't know where that money comes from. And I don't want to do like the whole promo thing. Like, yeah, you know, ah, man, that was a pain. I only had like eight, I you to, did. eight to ten promos when I did yeah. my last Kickstarter. And that was a huge pain in the butt. Oh, and I, I can't also, even imagine. Well, yeah, and then you're also like pestering um, publishers all the time. I don't want to do that, you know, because I, I started to kind of think about doing that for the Patreon. Maybe we could have like a 
pool of promos and then you know people can get one every couple months or something like that that would be cool but but then as i started to do that i was like i cut that off like i was like you know i emailed some publishers and then i emailed them like a month later i was like you know what no forget it <laughs> because i don't want to be i don't want to be having to harass them you know because they've got games they're publishing and they're like who is this idiot on youtube yeah. keeps emailing me every month about like hey, did you get that promo <laughs> or what I'm like, no, man, I don't want to be like that. Not to knock anybody <laughs> yeah. that's doing that, because that's kind of the the modus operandi of Kickstarters. And it makes sense. People back, you know, when I did the other thing, I'm like, you know, okay, half people are backing it for me, and half the people are backing it because they want a Robinson Crusoe promo or whatever. <laughs> so Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, anyways. I know, I got my Emdo, as I recall. Um, I think that was what I got for you. Yeah, it was a little Emdo planet. Oh, yeah. Uh, that you had yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I know it's, it's, you know, I do the yearly fundraising thing and I got to decide once again, because April is upon me. If I'm going to do, if I'm going to sign up for this for another year, but yeah, right. the promo thing is something, I mean, I decided immediately that I had no desire to do it. And I actually get a fair number of publishers saying, Hey, look, we'll do one for you. We'll make some Rado specific stuff. We'll just put in our next print run. No big deal. You just say the word, but I'm just really uncomfortable going down that road. Mm-hmm. It really limits what I bring in, but that's okay. I don't know, because I feel weird bringing anything in when it boils right down to it. Um, you know, I started out just doing this for fun, and I mean, I, I was always very honest uh, about my intentions that, yeah, I needed to make uh, enough money with my retirement to be able to continue to buy games. And things have changed. My <laughs> I like how you said retirement. Oh, one thing I need to make sure for my retirement is money for games. <laughs> Well, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good problem to have. I, I strongly recommend everybody at some point be a lead designer in the video game industry and make a few, uh, multi-million hits and get a lot of really yeah. good royalties off that. It's, it works wonders for your long-term life plans. I, I really highly recommend it. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's what I started out doing. Things have changed now. My mom is, uh, needs a lot more financial support from us than she used to. So it's interesting. Rado runs through is now. I mean, I can't say I'm retired anymore. Because if I wasn't doing Rado Runs Through, I would have to go back um, and start working again, which was yeah. not the plan a few years ago. But, hey, plans change. So, um, you know, and as soon as that happened, as soon as this became a job, everything about it changed. Um, I, I still enjoy it, but, you know, it, but, but not in the same way. It's it's not a hobby. It's not a pastime. It's uh, – and it's, it's – a, a, a really heavy responsibility. And, you know, the fact that I do fairly well, I mean, I don't do anywhere near as well as, you know, Tom or whatnot and, or Rodney, although I probably do a lot better if I did the promo thing, I just don't want to do it. Um, but I do very, very well. And I really do feel like, man, I, I bring in that much cash. I really have to deliver these folks. And, um, you know, the year before I really pushed myself to the limit this year or in 2016, I tried to slow down a bit. 20, 17, I'm going to try and slow down a little bit more and try to make that clear to everybody. Look, I appreciate anybody who wants to back me, but understand I'm not doing five run-throughs a week anymore, ever again. I just, that almost killed me when I was doing that for month upon month uh, a couple right. of years ago. And so I've really had to slow down now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, but yeah, from the very beginning, the very first videos I ever did were driven by user votes and whatnot. So it's always made sense for me just to continue down that path and provide that as uh you know I, I know people enjoy voting and you know having a voice in the show and all that 
Jen makes right. class, so she can actually make some promos because uh, she was going to make them anyway and sell them on Etsy, but we can just do it through Kickstarter instead. So we, we have a little bit of stuff. And I, I feel really weird about the whole thing. And I've thought the thing that most attracts me about switching over to Patreon more than anything else is the fact right. that you can say, hey, you know what? For a month, I'm turning it off. No one gets charged this month because I'm not doing anything. Right. Um, that is super attractive because I just love the idea of turning off for a month. Um, I mean, I've been super sick. I'm still recovering now. I haven't filmed anything for a week. And, uh, oh, man, it's been so nice, even though I've been on death's door the whole time, just to stop filming for a little while. So, I mean, I really love the idea of Patreon. But I know at the end of the day, if I did switch over to that, I mean, I'd probably take an 80% drop in revenues. And as it turns out, I can't afford that anymore and not continue right. to help my mom. Um, so yeah, I'm, right. Jen, I actually, she was just saying this morning, Hey, we got to start figuring out your Kickstarter. It's going to start next week. And mm -hmm. yeah, I guess, I guess it's going to, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah Patreon is, is interesting. I had several people, uh, tell me I can't, I'll, I'll back you, um, you know, on Kickstarter. And some people even just donated money straight to PayPal when I started the Patreon. Yeah. So like I, I'm not going to Patreon, but here's a little bit of money. And then there you go. That's my Patreon. Uh, they don't want a monthly like exactly. Cycle. It's a it's a huge psychological yeah. over. It is. I totally get it. Yeah, yeah, even if it's a buck a month, I mean it's twelve bucks for the whole year. Yeah, yeah. That's even if they wouldn't think twice about giving you a, a straight twenty. Hey, look, I'll back no, you right. twenty. Oh, but a dollar right. a month? No, that's unthinkable. It's like yeah, it's yeah, yeah. So I think it's yeah. just uh, and that's another reason I started is because to me it made more sense to mm -hmm. do that than a Kickstarter because. Like, I don't plan on going to Gen Con. And, I mean, that's one thing I'm burned out on for sure is yeah. going and doing all these videos because that's whole, I don't want to get into the conversation, but I'm totally burned out on that. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you, you killed yourself to do those. I mean, that was an yeah, unparalleled yeah. Uh, feat of strength that you pulled off year after year. Well, yes, yeah, I mean, uh, thank you. But that that I had a good time doing that. I don't want to get, make it that wrong. But it was just I just did it and I was like, okay. Mm, I'm done. Uh, you know, there's, uh, I don't want to go down that as a raffle, but, um, but yeah, I didn't have anything like specific, like, okay, what want I do a Kickstarter for? I'm already doing the yeah. videos kind of thing. And, uh, damn, uh, Scott and Tom for doing for free for so long. I'm joking. I know Tom's a lot right now. <laughs> so I'm just playing around. Sorry. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> anyway, so, but, uh, anyway, so yeah. So it's 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 a weird uh, it's a weird uh, juggling act there. Yeah. So I just a oh. lot of people uh, commenting on that. In the, yeah, you're starting uh, to get spicy there. You're okay. you're spiking. Okay. Yeah. We'll wrap up. I'll come back more. We'll wrap. Okay. Cool. 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 Let's see here. Uh, do you take breaks from time to time? Says Yan. No, not really. I mean, I pretty much treat this as a full time job. All right. And he's back. I answered one yeah. audience question. Oh, you did. Good time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Now we got that out of the way. Tick that box. Okay. Um. Yeah. So there's. It's mostly conversation. There might be a question or two I missed in there. Um. And Tom is watching. Hello, Tom. Oh. I'm glad you could. I do join his uh, live stuff once in a while. So <laughs> join this one. Uh. So yeah, I'm. Uh, so, you, all right, let's let's wrap up. Are you doing any conventions or anything? Going to Essen this year, probably. I'll probably go to Essen, um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, the, the only reason I went to to uh, 
BGGCon or um, GenCon in previous year. Well, I went to BGGCon because I was the guest of honor, so they flew me out. It's just it's just too expensive. It's just oh, crazy, yeah. crazy yeah. expensive. I mean, I'd love to go to Dice Tower Con or, or all these cruises. Oh my God, I'd kill to go on yeah. those things. But um, no, it's. Uh, I mean, I did well in the video game industry, but I didn't do that well. <laughs> to be able to say, but if I were living in the states, oh my God, I'd totally be there. At Pax Unplugged and Origins yeah. every year and all that. I mean, I'd love to do that kind of stuff. Um, no. Yeah, uh, pretty much it'll probably just be Essen, I think. All right, good deal. That's the one I can't go to. So, <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited. Well, I, honestly, I it's you're, you're, I, everybody wants to go there. You're not missing that much. It's it's a shopping convention. It's it's a great yeah, opportunity to go and buy a lot of stuff. Right, and then ship it back. And you know, yeah, 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 yeah. It seems like a really yeah, I mean, you've expensive... got Sasquatch anyway. Right. Right, and uh, yeah. it doesn't always seem like a really expensive way to buy games. <laughs> like, buy mm-hmm. there and ship it back, pay MSRP. Yep. Um, but yeah, okay. So yeah, I'm going to Origins and uh, Pax and Plug, and obviously I've never been to either, so I'm I'm super excited about that. Uh, yeah, I've heard Origins is the best because it's kind of like a Gen Con mashed with BGG Con, so you've got yeah you know, a lot yeah. of vendors and that. But um, but yeah, so. Uh, have you okay? Last this is the last question for me. Have you played Gloomhaven? Because we had a lot of people yes, I have. Ask about that. Okay. Yes. Have you enjoyed it? I have enjoyed it very much. Well, I mean, I did a run through for it almost two years ago. Oh, did you? Um, okay. And I said uh, back at the time that when this game comes out, it's going to be the best game of the year. Uh, yeah. Because it was, I mean, the writing was on the wall to me all that time ago, and it's yeah. only gotten better. Uh, yeah, we played it about a half a dozen times right now, and I wish I was playing it more, but. All these other games keep getting in the way. Okay. Um, here's you the question. The new... Are you playing it proper? Are you ripping up cards and applying stickers and um, taking a Sharpie to your instruction manual and all the stuff you're supposed to do? Uh, everything except the ripping up cards. Oh, I just, come on, I just put those in a special bag. Oh, a special bag. There's nothing special about that bag. <laughs> uh, it's so – it's – it it creates such a weight. I think pandemic legacy. I tore up everything. Yep. The the reason There's a little I'm picture not... on the cards. It says to rip it. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it's, it does. Uh, I don't know. I just the maybe I'm I mean, the, the icon is clear. I mean, that was it's Gloomhaven is a really weird legacy game to be sure because yeah, yeah Isaac definitely tried to have his cake and eat it too. And yeah. um, and honestly, I, I think I do appreciate the more, hey, folks, let's just rip off the Band-Aid and make this what it is. Um, but, yeah, you know, Jen and I, we, we did our first town event that said, oh, we're going to have to rip this up afterwards. Yeah. Or, again, if you based on the icon, which shows a picture of ripping it up when you're done. And um, let's see. Oh, we didn't at that moment because they said, let's just play a couple of games and make sure we really enjoy this game. Yeah. And after we did, um, we then back back and ripped up everything we had accumulated in our special envelope up to that point. Um, and I mean, it's, I, we're going to continue to do it because there's just an incredible sense of reality that right. comes from the fact that, okay, we make this decision and it's irreversible. There's no coming back from this. It elevates the experience in such an incredible way. I feel so bad for everybody who says, oh, no, 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 wait. Let me now take this precious artifact and put it in its carefully preserved baggie so that it can never be disturbed. It's like, no, rip it. I, it's, oh, it's, it's, I love that so much. Um, and and not, not just as a gimmick, but because it, it, it makes the world real. 
and impactful in a way that video games can't do, that no other form of entertainment can do. I, I, I absolutely love it. And I realized, yeah, uh, probably it's like 0.05% of players are actually ripping up the cards um, right. you know, or, or what have you. Uh, well, because, it, yeah. I mean, I did with Pandemic Legacy, right? Yeah. And I thought that was appropriate. I'm doing the stickers. I'm doing the, the marking of the board on the little, uh, what do you call it, the prosperity track. Yeah. All that I'm doing. So why but why aren't you ripping up those cards? Because the game, Isaac has said, the game is made to be replayable. Like you can get PDFs of the map and all that stuff and re-sticker them and mark them up. So mm-hmm. it's not meant to be a one-shot deal. Like I think Pandemic Legacy, you're right. That That's what's special about Pandemic Legacy is that you do it that one time and then it's it's gone, you know. Uh, with Gloomhaven, though, like we've taken it and played just random scenarios outside of the campaign. I haven't played the campaign since I did the yeah. review. But that has but, nothing to do with uh, maintaining those cards, maintaining that cache of cards. Yeah, but I mean, if, yes, I mean, if you, the only thing I've ripped up or would have had to rip up, like you said, are the yeah. town events. Exactly. Now, I don't yeah. know. The town events is what I'm talking about. Yeah. So those don't really affect other things. But if we wanted to start a new campaign, Mm-hmm. with, um, you know, a different group or whatever, then you could, and you can just put those back in and make a list of the ones or whatever that you need to pull yeah, out for yeah, the next Yeah, you totally could. You totally could. Or so you I could buy I, the refill pack, which I believe he's going to be selling. Oh, I didn't know they were doing that. I, I, I could have sworn that, that, that that's been his long-term plan. Or no, no, you're right. It's not a. It's not one he's selling. It's just that he's made all the the resources available so players can recreate yeah, right. the game. For, you're right. That's what it is. So I'm to sure. me... Like, here's the thing with Gloomhaven. Like, I don't know that I'm going to finish it. Uh, I mean, you know, like, that's going to, that's getting back to the whole reviewer thing. That's one of the things that actually kind of bothers me a little bit about Gloomhaven for me. It's like, man, I kind of want to just play Gloomhaven for two months. Like, it's a really mm-hmm. game. You know, I yeah, don't yeah, want to yeah. play these other games, but I, like, I mean, I do. I also do. I'd probably burn out in Gloomhaven if I played it like three yeah, times a week. Too obsessively. Yeah. So, but anyway, that's, to me, the game is meant to be, it's not, you're not meant to rip it up. And I, like, I just want to I like ripping stuff. That icon shows a picture of it being ripped up. And <laughs> I mean, like I said, it's interesting. Isaac, he wants to have his cake and eat it too, because I think the rules don't say that you destroy them. I think the right. word is remove or something like that. Um, but then the picture is, look, it's a picture drawn up. And it's really him saying to players, look, do whatever you want. It's your box. Right. Um, you know, right. do whatever yeah. you find to be the most fun. Um, I, I, I doubt you he would even recommend one path or the other, yeah, but the, the fact that the thing shows it ripped up and like I said, you know, um, Oh, what, what's a example? Um, you know, Oh, we were walking along the road and we hear the, you know, the, the mysterious chanting in the woods and mm-hmm. we decide, okay, honey, should we go and investigate? Should we go and investigate? I don't know. The last time we had to lose a checkbox and I do not want to lose a checkbox right no. now. Oh my God, that'd be terrible because I'm so close. It's right. like, okay, are, are you sure? Because I mean, this is it. This is a real decision. This is not a game decision. This is not a video game decision. This is not a, oh, let's just reload our save. Because chances are, once we flip this over, it's going to say, this thing gets burned. This thing gets ripped up. And that extra weight, that pressure, that um, immediacy, that gravitas makes it so much more meaningful. I mean, I've played games, other games that have road events. I mean, Descent has mm-hmm. road events um, where it's just going to be, but it, it was like, oh, well, that was an interesting little side thing, as opposed to 
you know, something that's really meaning because you flip that over. It's like, okay, well, um, and we, we, we were cowards. We didn't do the thing. And it says, well, you kept on walking down the road and nothing happened. Destroy this car. It's like, oh. yeah. I mean, it makes my heart skip a beat. Um, you know, it, it encourages me to be more brave and daring and, and, you know, put more on the line because I'm so much more invested because that thing gets ripped up when it's gone one way or the other. I mean, obviously a lot of them don't do that. A lot of them say, oh, well, if you, if you missed it, go on ahead and put this back in the deck and whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, because, you know, because the game is designed so that, yeah, even though I've ripped up every single permanent one-time event, there'll still be plenty of events on the road. Uh, you know, he's designed it such that it'll work that way as well. It's just these one-time things. They should be one-time things, in my opinion, because I'm not planning on reselling this. And considering the fact that there's easily, easily 500-plus hours of gameplay before you ever have to redo anything in this box, I don't see the need to go back and restart over. To access a certain extent, that's in part my, a reflection of my circumstances. I'm only ever going to play this with my wife. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm not going to, there's not going to be some new game group who comes in, but you know what? Even if a new game group came in, I would say, Hey, yeah, let's sit down and let's play. Oh yeah. The prosperity of Gloomhaven is seven. Everybody make a level seven character and yeah. let's go hit one of these dungeons I haven't done before. And by mm -hmm. the way, let me tell you a story or what have you. <laughs> or if they say, no, don't tell us a story. Okay. Well go buy your own copy then because in my world, um, that cult, well, we had our chance and we, we were cowards and the world is forever changed um, because the stakes were real when we yeah. made that decision. <clears throat> but that's All just right. me. <laughs> Long short short. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah. it I, 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 the, it's in my top 10 of all time now easily. My only complaint, uh, I have a couple of little complaints. I have to admit, I'm personally not a fan of the world leveling alongside the player. Yeah. Um, you know, which is the, you know, the, uh, the Elder Scrolls kind of video game phenomenon. Um, right. it's fine. I, I, I don't mind gotcha. it, but you know, when, when we go into a dungeon and we make some discovery that tells us about some ancient mythical tower, um, that, oh my gosh, because we discovered this one thing, we can go to this other side thing. Um, I, I think some immediacy and excitement level for it is lost and that, yeah, okay, let's just go do that now. doesn't matter what level we are. We can go and do it. I yeah. want that mythical power to be, oh my God, and there be dragons. And if we go there now, we will die. Mm -hmm. But I look forward to the day that I am strong enough to climb that mountain and mm -hmm. explore that dragon tower. I, I, I do think that the game loses um, a, a sense of place as a result of that. Uh, it's fine. And it, you know, guarantees anybody can do anything they want, anytime they want, no matter what. And, and that's cool on some level, but, uh, it's, it, it's, it's pretty my only real complaint. Yeah. And I hadn't thought of that because that was one of the things I didn't like about the Elder Scrolls games is you could get to the point where, you know, you could do anything and that kind yeah. of, it, it just, it just lessened the amount of tension and all that. Yeah, uh, well, leveling doesn't mean anything. Right. Um, I could go take on the final bad guy at level one or level 100. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, and so, it, you know, there's an implicit sense of, you know, something that makes RPGs so compelling and, and you know, like, just like crack. It just kind of disappears when it's like, ah, just go do whatever you want, whenever you want kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I guess I wonder how you get around that. Cause the way the system, you know, in Gloomhaven is it's, I don't know how in that world that you can get around it because it. Well, I mean, I, I think it was just a choice he made and it could have easily been done. That again, yeah. mystical ivory well, tower I'm talking about is yeah. just put it. It's a level seven adventure. Yeah. But you lose, the number seven you lose, you lose the ability to play it. Like you said, you could have a group of friends over and 
you know, everybody levels up to the prosperity and then you can go do whatever you want. Yep. Or if you find it maybe too late, you would, you would go in and it would be a cakewalk kind of thing. So you, you lose that. Yep. But then you would gain. Well, see, yeah. 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 I mean, and, and that's the other side too. I was talking about, you know, the anticipation, the excitement of finally being able to climb and get to that tower because it's taken us so long to be strong enough. And we're really scared going in um, because we're worried. Are we strong enough to take out that dragon? What have you on the flip side? I also love the other side of that coin in that, yeah, you know those bandits who used to be a real pain in our butts? Yeah. Uh, we can wipe them out without even breaking a sweat now. We are gods amongst men in that regard. I mean, that disappears as well. Yeah, um, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. I, I, I don't I don't begrudge it. It's just, it wouldn't have been my choice. Yeah. Well, interesting, interesting. I think, yeah, I think the nice thing is we'll probably see another Gloomhaven. Well, maybe not. Gloomhaven's kind of a <laughs> nut, but but we'll see. Yeah. I think we'll see uh, iterations on this. I, you know, we'll keep seeing it. Yeah. Well, I'm Hopefully. looking forward. He's sending me a prototype for um, the was it founders of Gloomhaven, um, which is his next game, which is a uh, Euro economic city building yeah. game. Yeah. Where players actually game or something in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, I'll definitely be watching that then because. Yeah. Nothing like Gloomhaven at all. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. I think that's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, sir. Well, let's uh, wrap up. I, it was good to talk to you, Richard. Uh, you know, it's been a while since we chatted, and uh, um, it was very nice to talk to you, and thanks for joining me on uh, on the channel and for everybody else to to see and, and yeah, hear. Yeah, it was fun. Okay. Yep. And uh, I hope you certainly uh, feel better. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I need to go get another throat lozenge now. I probably uh, push myself a little far. Yeah. <laughs> and thanks everybody for joining. Sorry, my new camera set up. I keep looking at the screen and looking at Richard. And so I thank everybody for joining. Um, I'll probably do another one of these. I think before Origins, I'll have some guests on there. Um, and so anyway, we'll talk about that later. But uh, anyway, thanks again. Bye bye. Bye bye.